and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of The Remnant Call. This is Brother Frank. Glad you are here with me tonight. Brother Benjamin should be on here shortly. And uh, we got another exciting episode. And just want to thank everybody out there who's been supporting The Remnant Call. Uh, still continuing to grow. So if you haven't subscribed to us yet on YouTube, uh, please do. If you haven't uh, liked us on Facebook, please do that. And and I know uh, sometimes I feel like, well, maybe I should start doing a video. But my mother always said I had a real face for radio, and I'm going to stick with that for now. Actually, she didn't, but I, I, I could be, you could believe it if you see me. Anyways, folks, just uh, glad to be here. Glad to be here. Um, thanks uh, for everybody tuned in last week. A storm is coming, but the church doesn't care. And folks, that is the truth. The church does not care. Now, there are individuals in the church, and there are some churches, but what we call the church in general, which many would argue that's not really God's church, but what is called the church in the United States is not according to the Word of God, first and foremost. But if it was, they would be preaching the truth of God and and telling the people to prepare and get ready because the day of the Lord is at hand. And tonight we've got a special guest who wrote the book, The Day of the Lord is at Hand, and that's Brother Benjamin Baruch, and he is on the line here, and I'm going to bring him in here with us tonight to get this show started. Benjamin, are you there? Hey, good evening, Frank. Hey, brother, glad to have you here with us tonight, and Benjamin, um, thank you for taking time out. I know you're busy, um, but I do thank you for being willing to join us here on the Remnant Call. It's been a little while, and uh, when you're not around, Benjamin, we miss you. And so thank you for coming on and sharing a word uh, with us in this hour. Um, It seems like just a few weeks ago we had you on, or about a month and some ago, uh, talking about the red horse. And, uh, and, And Benjamin, a lot has changed in just a one month period of time, has it not? Well, we are moving closer and closer to outright hostility, military conflict. War with Korea is certainly now in focus. And the United States, in the last 48 hours, has made a number of official statements, uh, particularly the comments at the United Nations, putting the world on notice that military options are on the table. The time of patience has ended, and they're pretty much telegraphing to the whole world, to anybody who's listening, that war with Korea is coming, and it's imminent. And a lot of people perhaps can't believe that anyone could be that foolish to start another war, but the white horse only knows one, 
only one game to play, and the white horse goes forth to conquer. And so, you know, the United States has been rolling out this global, you know, conquest in which if you really look at, uh, you know, what has happened with American foreign policy since 9-11, we had, you know, the, in, the war in Afghanistan, which began shortly in November of 2001. I think that war is now in its, what would that be, 16 years? We're going on 16 years of, of uh, conflict in, in Afghanistan. Uh, 2003, we then decided to bring democracy to Iraq and uh, you know, basically began to ignite the Arab Spring. We, we displaced Gaddafi. We threw our support to the radicals in Egypt, and, uh, you know, we then began to uh, support the rebels uh, fighting Assad in the Syrian civil war, and, and here we are. You know, now it's time to attack Korea. And, you know, no doubt North Korea is, has been a threat, is a threat, but, you know, let's be realistic here. North Korea is a satellite of communist China, which has an agreement with communist Russia, and clearly, you know, the Red Horse and, and the King of the North, who will come with many nations against the daughter of Babylon, they're all working in concert together. So, you know, North Korea is the perfect uh, opening act, if you will. You know, it's mm. the first act of what will become a global world war and it's perfect because the korean peninsula would be a great place to tie down american forces before the war spreads to the balance of the globe and so yeah the red horse is coming you know uh, a lot of people dismiss the warnings that have been in the land going back as far as i can remember you know david wilkerson was warning america in the 1970s that a nuclear holocaust would come one day in this nation. And people derided him. They mocked him. People called him crazy. And, you know, and there were many, many others that were raised up. God sent a man named Dmitry Dudeman, you know, Henry Groover, others who've seen the future, what has been ordained. And, you know, for many of us, We've been warning, we've been blowing the trumpet for decades, and, and I'm sure people became complacent, like, oh, yeah, well, you know, those days will never arrive. Well, eventually, like a broken clock, which is right twice a day, the appointed time comes, and, and Frank, it appears we're knocking on the door now. And that's been my firm opinion for the last, uh, really, two years, that the 2017-2018 window would see the beginning of these judgments manifesting in the earth, and it sure looks like we're right on track, doesn't it? It sure does, Benjamin, and I'll tell you, uh, you take that and couple it with the absolute onslaught uh, against the saints of God, against the believers right now, mm. and if, if, this, I don't, if this won't wake anybody up, I, I don't feel that there will be a wake-up until uh, they see the ICBMs actually flying towards them. Um, I feel like I don't know what else God needs to do to, to scream from the mountaintops to wake up 
the church. And Benjamin, I, there's a lot I know that you got to share, and I'm looking forward. Could you just open us up with a word of prayer, brother? Amen, brother. Father God, we thank you that you have chosen to awaken a remnant. And Jesus, I thank you that you gave us clear instructions in this hour that we are to pray without ceasing, that we may be found worthy, accounted worthy to escape all these things and to stand in the presence as a representative of the Son of Man in the earth in this time. And so, Lord, I pray a word of truth will come forth by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, that you would be lifted up, that you would be glorified, that a real word of truth would come forth, and that the listeners would be blessed, they would be edified, they would be convicted, and that they would be given clear instruction on what to do to prepare for your great and awesome day. So we commit this time to you. In Jesus' name we pray, Father. Amen. 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 Benjamin, uh, talking to you earlier, um, you shared with me uh, a word uh, for the title of this show, Out of the Book of Daniel. And um, Benjamin, I've known, you know, that there are two books that play hand in hand in the, in the end of time, and that's Revelation and Daniel. Um, they go together. They, they might as well be one book almost because they constantly go back and forth. But I think the book of Daniel is coming alive in a very real way at this moment. Oh, amen, brother. Well, when you'd asked me, um, do you want to come on the program tonight? This was a couple of days ago, and I've been busy with a thousand things. You know, it's like the, the tyranny of the distractions, right? It just seems yes. like they're coming at all of us to keep us off of the most important thing in this hour, which is preparing spiritually and you know, we're all getting the anything and everything the enemy can do to keep us from the most important task at hand, which is our time in prayer and our time in the Word. Uh, the enemy's thrown at all of us. But you'd ask me to come on the program, and, and I just could discern that, yep, the Lord wanted me to show up tonight, but I had no idea what we were going to do. Um, in, you know, earlier today I was talking with a prayer partner of mine, and I you know, mentioned I'm going to be on the program tonight, and I said, you know, if God don't show up, it's not going to be very good because i got nothing. And um, I've been so busy, and, you know, the Lord doesn't need us to bring our stuff. You know, he needs Amen. us to be available and open to the move of his spirit. We need to be sensitive to let the Lord lead and... You know, I pray that God would do so tonight. But you'd ask me, you know, what's the title for the show? And I'm thinking, I have no clue at all. Um, but I flipped open the book of Daniel, and, and I read Daniel 11, verse 35. And some of them of understanding shall fall to try them and to purge them and to make them white, even until the time of the end, because it is yet for a time appointed. And I thought, well, that's a perfect title for tonight time appointed. and You know, what an amazing verse that the, those with insight, and you know, this verse is referencing um, the men of wisdom that are introduced to us in Daniel 11, verse 33, and it, the scripture says, and they that understand among the people, that's the, the men of wisdom is, is the, the name that I've given this group of people. They that understand, they that have the wisdom in this hour, they shall instruct many. 
And, you know, there's also a, a huge number of false prophets and, and, you know, people that have come of their own accord to sell uh, end-time, you know, paraphernalia to the church and, you know, to make a name for themselves and maybe sell you some survival food or sell you some whatever, you know, as if the things that money could buy would somehow deliver you. You know, Jesus said, pray without ceasing that you be accounted worthy, not that you had enough gold or that you had, you know, your tuna fish or you had the extra paper towels or, you know, whatever. You got your gas mask, brother. You know, forget about it. There's two groups of people. There's the group that has been accounted worthy by the Lord. and They shall be delivered in this time. And then there's everybody else. And uh, they're going to throw their gold and silver in the street. Or it's just going to simply be removed. But, you know, in the group of, of watchmen in this hour, you know, you got the salesmen. And then you got the newsmen. And, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with focusing on the news. But we really need the news from the kingdom. You know, we need Amen to, to that. know what the Lord is speaking in this time. We don't need to know what Kim Jong-un, you know, did today. We don't really need to know what the leaders of Babylon said today. We need to know what the Lord Jesus Christ is saying today and what the Spirit of God is declaring today. We need to have ears to hear the message coming forth from the kingdom. You know, let the dead bury the dead. Let the dead listen to the dead. Let the dead follow the dead. And let them follow the blind, and shall they both not end up in the ditch? No. We need to be the people who follow the Lord and have the ear filled with discernment to know the difference between the men who came of their own accord and those that were sent of the Lord. They that understand among the people that have the wisdom of God you know, they, the people who know their God shall be strong and do exploits. It doesn't say they're going to have gold. It doesn't say that they're going to have lots of food stored up, and I'm not against storing food. I'm merely trying to point out that if all we're doing is preparing in the natural, we can forget about it, because what is coming is supernatural. The supernatural world is going to merge. It's going to open up. It's going to pour out into the created world. It's going to pour out upon the earth, into the land of the living. And as it does, the land of the living is mostly going to become the land of the dead. Multitudes are going to die, but a remnant will be preserved, and they're going to be preserved by the supernatural power of God. Jesus said, I will protect that which is mine. Everything else has been appointed unto destruction. But here we have men of wisdom that are going to give instruction to the many. And I, I remember, Frank, when I was very first saved, thank you, God, for saving me. I very much appreciate the price Jesus paid. Bless you, Lord, for your salvation that you've given to so many and that you've Amen. offered to everyone. Amen. The call of salvation is to whosoever will come. You know, I, I hear people... Satan loves to accuse us, and, 
you know, whatever we'll go with, he'll run with until we figure out it's garbage. And, you know, one of the things he, he does is some people who, having been, you know, trampled underfoot by the wicked world in which we live, you know, they feel they're not worthy. Well, no kidding. Neither am I, neither is Frank, neither are any of us worthy. But the enemy will be there to condemn them. You know, you're not saved, and, you know, maybe God doesn't really know your name. And, you know, and people are under tremendous fear. And, you know, the, in perfect love, the perfect love of God will cast out this fear, and the true knowledge of the Word will, will cause us to be able to take comfort. You know, not that we could take comfort on the wide road, not that we would just sit complacently in, in a congregation of the dead among, you know, the children of the grave, but, you know, people that are seriously seeking the Lord could take comfort in the knowledge that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord in this time, he shall be saved. Our God is a God of tremendous mercy. God loves mercy. Man, I'm seriously, I, I told the Lord at one time, I said, Lord, I'm I think I'm on to you. I think I've figured you out. You love mercy so much. You are looking for a reason to forgive the people. Amen. See, God forgave Ahab. We're talking about Jezebel's husband, the guy that murdered all the prophets under the, the dominion of wicked Jezebel, King Ahab. I mean, he destroyed, he killed so many of the prophets of God, and at the time, towards the end of his life, he repented, and the Lord relented. If God can forgive Ahab, if God can show mercy to people that were his overt enemies, he can show mercy to the hearts that are crying out to him. But, you know, we must be among the people who have the ability to discern the true from the false. We must be able to separate the precious from the vile. And, you know, I know there's somebody listening tonight that the enemy's been throwing accusations against you that maybe you're not saved or, or maybe it's a family member, maybe it's your children, a, a daughter that's, you know, lost in the world and, you know, parents are crying out and they've been praying and waiting and it's been, it seems as if there's been no benefit at all. There's been no progress. There's, no, there's nothing to show for the years of tears and, and for all of the prayers. And the enemy is there to accuse, and, you know, people are full of fear and hopelessness. But I'll tell you, when these thoughts come against you, challenging your own salvation or, or, or trying to come against you regarding any of the issues that you're prosecuting in prayer, and it, and it comes to steal your peace, I have found a technique that is very, very effective to rid your life of the, um, the annoyances of Satan, the, the thoughts that, that bother and that bring fear and anxiety upon you, whether they're for this issue or for that issue, you know, that the enemy knows the buttons to push in your life, to push you into, into fear, to push you into anxiety, to push you into anger, maybe. It's, it's issues where you've been deeply hurt, and the enemy keeps wanting to bring it back up and, and bring you back to that place of where you're, you're experiencing again the, the pain of 
these things, and you've tried to pray it through, and you've tried to forgive, and you've tried to let it go at the cross, and the enemy keeps throwing this junk back in your face. Here's what I found that is very effective in dealing with the nuisances of Satan. First of all, you identify that you know these things bring fear and torment. They're not from the Lord. They're coming right out of hell. Okay, so you've got to identify the source. The conviction of the Holy Spirit is always with encouragement that there's a place to go. It's always a calling you back to the, to the presence of God. You know, confess, merely acknowledge your sin, confess your sin, and return to the Lord. There's always a hopefulness in the conviction that comes from God, and there's a hopelessness and a fear and a, and a panic and a stress and an anxiety with the accusations of Satan. So you need to first discern what you're dealing with. When you realize that it's just the little lying serpent, here's what I find to be totally effective. You say, okay, devil, I'm on to you. I know that this is something you keep throwing in my face because it, thus far it's been effective in, in getting me full of fear or anxiety or, or whatever. But I'm on to you, and every time you bring this issue up with me, I am going to go into prayer and just make yourself a list. I'm going to pray for this, you know, and list out a few things that you will pray about. And when the enemy comes against you in that area, they've been attacking you in your mind, you remember the decision you made, and you go into prayer. And as soon as the enemy realizes you weren't kidding they're going to stop harassing you because the last thing in the world they want is you praying. Amen. And so what they will do once they realize you meant business, they'll back off typically two weeks. To, and they'll wait and see if you forgot. Then they'll come back at you again in that area where they were able to attack you so effectively to see if you remembered your promise. And if you did, if you go right back to prayer, then they're going to back off for a month. Because they will not hit you in areas that lead you into prayer. It's not worth it. They lose too much ground. So what does that tell you about the effectiveness and the power of our prayers? Hallelujah. Pray without ceasing that we be counted worthy. That was just a little introduction. Um, but for those who the enemy's been bringing you grief, Respond in kind and pray in response to the things the enemy's throwing at you. Make it a call to prayer. And believe me, you'll be amazed how quickly they back off when you begin to pray. And then it'll be so obvious that, wow, all of those troubling thoughts, they weren't coming out of your heart. They were, being, they were the fiery darts of the evil one that you just weren't discerning for what they really were. So praise God. Let's get into the appointed time. Amen. Get back to the book of Daniel. Hallelujah. Uh, Daniel that was powerful, 11. Thank you. Yeah, praise for that. God. The, the men of wisdom, when they fall, look at Daniel 11:34. Now, when they shall fall, because we're told those who had the wisdom, these are people who've received revelation from God, and with the revelation, they shall fall by the sword and by flame, by captivity, and by spoil many days. Wow, you would think that the revelation would bring the victory, but in the lives of the men of wisdom, it brings the defeat. 
And when they fall, they should be helped with a little help. And many will cleave to them with flattery. And that word is actually hypocrisy. And some of those with understanding fall to try them, to purge them, to make them white, even to the time of the end. Because it is yet for a time appointed. Isn't that an amazing statement in Scripture? Here, God is telling us that the people with understanding will come. A group will come forth at the time of the end, men of wisdom, they that understand the deep meaning of all these things, they will be sent to instruct the many. And yet they will fall. And when they fall... They're going to be purified through their falling. Isn't that amazing that God could actually use our failures to purify us? You know, that's a whole separate study. How how the Lord allows the fruit of our own ways to bring us to the end of ourselves. Into the place where we're finally ready to humble ourselves before him and to repent from the very core of our being. And we realize that we really have no hope in ourselves. There's no way any of us can deal with what's coming. On our best day, we wouldn't last five minutes in the Great Tribulation. Without the power of God, without the anointing of the Lord, without the protection from on high, without the direction of the Holy Spirit, we don't know what to do, we don't know where to go, we're not going to have a clue, and there's no Mm. way to figure it out either. Mm. You could spend a thousand years trying to think it all through, and you still won't have a clue on what to do. We must be led by the Lord. Salvation is of the Lord, and there's no other way out of this mess. And so, you know, it's great to prepare. I, I know we've all done a little preparation. Some of us did a lot, and that's fine. You know, I pray that we were all led by the Lord. And otherwise, we've really just wasted our time. But deliverance is of the Lord in the time of judgment. And, you know, the, the time of the judgment, even to the time of the end, Daniel 11.35, they will fall to try them, to purge them, and to make them white. And Isn't that what we all desire? That we would be made white, that we would be clean, and that the enemy would have nothing in us, even to the time of the end, because it is yet for a time appointed. The time of the end, the day of the Lord, occurs at a time appointed. What does that mean? Literally what it says. There is an appointment. God's put it in his day timer. These days have been decreed. And so anybody who who said, oh, well, we've had a reprieve, and that now there's more time, that's not even scriptural. The day of the Lord comes at the time appointed. You know, we, we get that again in, in Daniel chapter 12. And I'll just go there very briefly. The 
when the angel Michael appears to Daniel, and he says, you know, that at the time of the end, at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince who stands for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was, since there even was a nation. And at that time thy people shall be delivered, everyone found written in the book. And many of them that sleep in the dust shall awaken, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And don't we want to be among those who in the final judgment are chosen unto everlasting life? And what a, what a terrible shame it would be to be among those given unto everlasting contempt. And they Lord that be us. wise, they shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn the many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book even till the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, knowledge will be increased. How long was the book of Daniel sealed up? It was sealed until the time of the end. Does that mean 40 years before the end? Does that mean 200-plus years when the dispensationalists wrote their dispensational eschatology from which they, they figured out there was going to be a preacher rapture? <laughs> so they reckoned that was 200-and-something years ago. That was not the time of the end. The book was still sealed. Therefore, they were writing theories about a book they'd never read, a book they'd mm. never even opened the cover of. The book was sealed until the time of the end. And um, let me find the verse I'm looking for. You. Daniel 12:9. And the angel said to Daniel, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed until the time of the end. And many shall be purified and made white and tried. And that's what's ahead of us, a time of purification and trial. But the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand. But the wise shall understand. So if you're wondering why certain, some of the people that you've talked to, they just cannot understand. Well, listen, if they're numbered among the wicked, they shall not understand. They are not capable of understanding. It's not possible for them to understand. At the time appointed, the end shall come. And yet the wicked will see none of it. Well, let's look at this, at this concept of time appointed. That, that whole idea that God has appointed time is actually throughout the revelation of Scripture, going all the way back to the beginning, to the creation. And we find the first reference to the time appointed in the book of Genesis. In chapter 18, verse 14, we read, Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. This is Jesus talking to Abraham. Is that ever awesome? You know, the Lord came and visited Abraham. How cool is that? have the Lord come. You know, this was Genesis 18.1, and the Lord appeared to Abraham in the plain of Mamre, 
and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day, and he lifted up his eyes. Abraham was waiting, and three men came by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them, and he bowed himself to the ground. And he said, My Lord, if I found favor in thy sight, pass not away. Stay with me, I pray. And so Abraham had Sarah prepare lunch. And, and the Lord came, and, uh, and the Lord said to Abraham, Where is Sarah, thy wife? And he said, Behold, she's in the tent. And the Lord said, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it, and she was well stricken in age, and therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I'm waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? And, uh, of course, Jesus said to Abraham, You know, why is Sarah laughing? And, you know, the Lord didn't press the point, but he says to Abraham, Is there anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. And then Sarah denied it, saying, I didn't laugh, for she was afraid. But the Lord said, No, you did laugh. And, and that was it. The Lord didn't press the point. Sarah was embarrassed. Jesus just blew it off. But he said, No, no, I heard you. Don't be, don't be covering it up. You laughed at me. But I can do anything, says God. There's nothing too hard for the Lord to do. Nothing. But there are things that are hard for the Lord to see. Isn't that a profound statement? There's nothing too hard for me to do, but there are things which are hard for me to see. And if you think about it for very long, it makes a lot of sense. It's hard on the Lord to look down upon all this wickedness. That's why the time is going to be short. But the point I want to make from this section of Scripture is the very first reference to the time appointed is in reference to the promise of the chosen son, the promise of the birth of the man-child. A boy-child had been promised. A son had been promised. And Sarah was past the time of even being able to have a child. And yet the Lord opened her womb, and at the time appointed, the Lord came back, and Sarah had a son, and his name was Isaac. And so, too, this September, we're going to witness an event in the heavens. And that event is already in the stars. It began late last year, when the virgin, who is now wearing a crown of 12 stars, became pregnant. She conceived. And the planet Jupiter, which represents the king, it's the king planet, is in her womb. And so the virgin is with child and has been with child for, at this point, seven months. And the birth will occur in a little more, approximately two months from now. What I find so fascinating is that in the seventh month, the newborn child's hearing develops. And so the seventh month, the feast day in the seventh month of Israel is Rosh Hashanah, Yom Torah, the, the Feast of Trumpets, which is the seventh month on the spiritual calendar, and, and the announcing 
the coming of the high holy days, the announcing of the coming birth. And, and so here we are at the time when the, when the child's hearing would now begin to open. That's amazing. I hadn't really connected yeah. those dots. But, Frank, <laughs> you know, sometimes I don't know what to share. You know what I mean? Like sometimes mm-hmm. I think, hmm, should I say that or should I not say that? Um, but it was fascinating because in prayer before the show, my, I went and I spent some time in my prayer loft. And just the most powerful anointing came upon me, Frank. And it was mm-hmm. a heavy anointing. I mean, I felt as if I had weight coming down upon me the powerful presence of the Lord, and, and I began to hear the Lord, and he, he said, I will speak to you, and you will hear my words, mm-hmm. you know, which was just almost ominous the way he spoke it. And, and here we are in the seventh month, the time for the hearing to develop, the time for those that have been called to be part of the remnant of God, for our hearing to finally open up, finally begin to hear with the ear of the Spirit the true words of God in this hour. But the first appointment, the first appointed time was the promise of the birth of a son. And it was according to the time of life. Now in the heavens, Frank, we've got the picture of the book of Revelation, chapter 12. We have the picture of the virgin with child pregnant for nine months for nine months she's pregnant and will give birth literally the the end of September September 23rd she will give birth 33 days prior August 21st an eclipse covers our nation in conjunction the, the sun will be eclipsed by the moon in conjunction with Mercury and Mars and the star Regulus, which is the regal star of the constellation of Leo, the Lion of Judah. And that conjunction represents the signet ring of the Lord saying, I did this. I am turning out the lights in America. In just about seven weeks' time, the lights are going to go out in America final warning and 33 days later the sign of the birth of the man child will manifest in the heavens I just have to wonder if this appointed time that is being referenced in Daniel that represents the time of the end at the time appointed if it is not also according to the time of life that is being presented and pictured for us in the heavens above even as we share these words tonight. The second place in which an appointment of time is revealed in Holy Scripture is in Exodus. And now the Lord says, And and the Lord appointed a set time. Tomorrow the Lord shall do this thing in the earth. Of course, it was the beginning of the judgment upon Egypt, the beginning of the plagues, in which God would ultimately show himself to be the God who judges the earth, 
and the God who delivered his people Israel out of their harsh bondage. And so, too, the Lord is about to judge the earth in our time. And at the same time, he's going to deliver his remnant out of their harsh bondage. The Lord is so good. He's such a good God. Oh, how blessed are the nation of people whose God is the Lord. If your God is the Lord, you are so blessed. But if you have any other gods, then, well, you should change that and do so right quickly. But the second time appointed in Scripture is death. So the first reference to the appointed time is the promise of life and new birth. The promised child, the seed that would come to inherit the blessings of God, and then the judgment upon the earth through which the Lord would deliver his people in the time appointed. The third reference is in Exodus 23, and it references the time appointed for the Passover, in which both life and death are pictured the death of the Passover lamb, and the life of those who are covered by the blood. So here we have the, the bringing together of the judgment unto death, and through the judgment that Jesus took for each one of us, our receiving life through the eating, and through the washing mm. of the blood, the eating of the, the holy manna that came out of heaven. Mm-hmm. The appointment of time. In Job, Job says, Is there not an appointed time for man upon the earth? Yes, there is. There's an appointed time. Jeremiah 8, The stork in heaven knows her appointed times. And the turtle and the crane and the swallow, they observe their times. But my people know not the judgment of their God. You know, the, the, the birds and and fish, they all know the time appointed for them. It's only the foolish people who walk under the dark counsel of the fallen mind of man who have failed to see the appointed time of life and death that is being pictured. It's right in front of you. If all you did was open your eyes. Daniel 8, verse 19. Behold, I will make you know what shall be in the last end of the indignation for at the time appointed the end shall be forget this idea of a reprieve you can't change the time appointed then why did jesus say pray that your flight be not on a sabbath day and not at the end of winter are we supposed to pray that the great tribulation will start on a different day no it comes on the time appointed at the time appointed, the end shall be. At the time appointed, the great tribulation will begin. At the end of winter and on a Sabbath day, you're supposed to pray that you're already in position where the Lord would have you to be. So you don't need to flee with all the other refugees that are going to go into panic mode worldwide on the beginning of the great tribulation, which comes at the end of winter and on a Sabbath day. The time appointed, Daniel 11.35, even to the time of the end, because it is yet for a time appointed. 
Habakkuk 2.3, the vision is for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and shall not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, but it will surely come. Behold, it's coming upon us even now. Man knows not his time, but God is putting the time of life and the appointed time. The warnings are in the heaven, and the warnings are in the earth. Men of wisdom who have been called by God and given a rima word for this hour are testifying of the truth. The time of life, the time of death is about to come upon the earth. Choose this day which you will have for your house. Which do you want? you want the, the death that has been chosen by the foolish Americans? Or do you want the life it has been reserved for the remnant of God who will come out from among them, be separate, touch not the unclean thing in this hour. I want to touch on a few verses in Ecclesiastes dealing with the appointed time. Ecclesiastes 9.12 For man also knows not his time. As fishes that are taken in an evil net and as birds that are caught up in a snare so the sons of men are snared in the evil time, the appointed time, when it falls suddenly upon them. And so it will appear suddenly as it comes upon men who know not the time. But it's not going to be sudden upon me. I'm amazed it took this long. I was shown this time 20 years ago. Yet it is finally coming upon us. Ecclesiastes 10 starting in verse 12. The words of a wise man's mouth are gracious. Oh, I pray that all of our words would become gracious. But the lips of a fool will swallow up himself. The beginning of the words of a fool is foolishness, and the end of his talk is mischievous madness. A fool is also full of words. A man cannot tell what shall be, what shall be after him. Who can tell? Only God can tell. Only the Spirit of the Lord can reveal what is hidden in the darkness. And he has done so through the prophetic words. But these books were sealed until the time of the end. At the time of the end they shall speak. And at the time of the end men of wisdom would come to give understanding to the many. The labor of the foolish wearies every one of them because he knows not how to go to the city. You know, there are foolish people that are very religious, but yet they know not how to go to the city of the great king. They know not how to approach the Lord. They don't know how to enter into the presence of God. They know how to be religious, but they don't know how to walk among the righteous. They've never been to the city of God. Woe to thee, O land, when thy king is a child, and thy leaders, thy princes, eat in the morning. Oh, isn't that amazing? Woe unto the nation where the people eat breakfast every day. Hmm. Does that sound like any country you know, Frank? Woe unto the church where the vast majority of its people eat breakfast every morning. Well, we, we think 
nothing of having breakfast every day. We just take it for granted. I knew a man once, I mentioned to him that the scripture called us to prayer and fasting in this hour. And he looked at me and he said, well, I fast every day. After my evening meal, I fast all through the night. And then in the morning I have breakfast and I break my fast. And he had a big smile on his face and he was so proud of himself for being such a clever man in the mind of the flesh. He had no idea the scripture pronounced a woe upon him. Woe unto thee, America, for your people eat every morning. Nobody's fasting and praying. Therefore, there's no progress being made in the spiritual war. This kind can only be driven out through fasting and prayer. Where we're at in the spiritual reality, as this thing is coming unglued, and you look at what's happening in the land, I got news for you. If you're not fasting and praying, you're not making much progress. Ever wonder why you're not hearing from heaven? Wonder why you're not seeing the victory? These signs shall follow those who believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall lay their hands on the sick and they shall recover. Listen, there's a lot of teaching in the land. And maybe in another program we'll deal with some of it. A lot of well-intentioned people without any wisdom are teaching all kinds of things in this hour. But these teachings lack the anointing. And therefore, they are not really of the kingdom in this time. We need to find the key to open the door to the presence of God. We need the key to enter in. We need to know how to find the city. We need to be people who can find the way to the city of God, to the presence of the Lord. We need to be able to go up to Zion and actually get there. And I'll tell you, there's only one way in. Jesus said, I am the door. There is no other door by which you can enter in to the holy place. It's the life and the person of Jesus. One of the keys we have to put off the flesh, we've got to put off the mind of the flesh, we've got to take our carnal thoughts captive unto the obedience of Jesus, and we've got to learn to fast and pray. Because if we don't, woe unto you when you eat every morning. And the reason for the woe is because nothing but trouble awaits those who refuse to obey. Go read the book of Joel if you, if you don't understand. But we are commanded to fast and pray. And given the lateness of this hour, this summer would be a good time to start. Ecclesiastes ten seventeen. Blessed art thou, O land, when thy king is a son of nobles, and thy princes eat in the due season, in the right time. When you eat in the appointed time for strength and not for, it says drunkenness in the King James, but it really means for pleasure. Blessed is the nation whose leaders are, act like royalty, responsible leadership, righteous leadership, and thy princes eat in the proper time, in the appointed time, and they eat for strength, for the physical strength, and not for the pleasure 
of food. People that eat for pleasure tend to overeat. The scripture calls them gluttons. It's a form of idolatry. Men worshiping their belly as a god. And I can tell you that is a major American disorder. We eat for pleasure. Chips and ice cream and cookies and candies and all kinds of things to be stuffing in our face. We don't just eat in breakfast. We don't just eat in the morning. We're a nation of people that we don't stop eating. Well, it's time to stop eating. I think of the dream where I had where I was on the airplane flying. I woke up and it was flying 10 miles an hour, about 10 feet off the ground. And I'm like, what is the matter here? You know, why can't we go fast? You know, Oh, well, we're going to go to the next airport in this city because there's no food on this airplane. And you know, everybody here wants to eat. So if we want to eat, this is as fast as we can go. And I said, listen, uh, why can't we skip the food? And let's fly at 40,000 feet, and let's move at 650 miles an hour instead of 10. And let's get somewhere. Oh, no, no, we want to eat. We, we're willing to forego every other benefit. We just got to eat for pleasure. That's just what and who we are. Well, if that's you, my friend, then I got news for you. You will not be who you are for a whole lot longer. You'll probably end up as food yourself, being reprocessed. I don't know for who they'll feed you to. Maybe we'll, they'll turn the overeaters into soil and grain like the movie. Anyway, I don't mean to make light of what's coming, friends. But let me make it abundantly clear. The appointed time is being broadcast in our face. Mm. I mean, it's on the evening news. The oceans are dying. The financial system is tottering. We're talking nuclear war with with North Korea. I mean, the latest news, tens of millions of Americans are going to die just in the Korean conflict, which will escalate into full global conflict. And, and what are we doing about it? It's one thing to watch the news, but... Really, if you know what time it is, do you need to keep reinforming yourself? Benjamin, there's 50 ways they're planning on killing you. Uh-huh. Don't you want to know all of them? No, not really. I would rather know about the one way the Lord was going to deliver me. Then I don't need to know about the 50 ways Satan was planning to kill me. Amen. The enemy intends to massacre the church. A people that could not and would not obey the Lord from their hearts are going to be purified in a fire that's going to hurt. But, if you really belong to the Lord, we will get redeemed in the resurrection. Hallelujah. Ecclesiastes mm. 11, verse 8. If a man lives many years, rejoice in them. Yet let him remember the days of darkness are coming and they shall be many and what comes is vanity rejoice O young man in your youth and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth and walk in the ways of your heart go and do what is right in your eyes and do what you will but know that for all these things 
God will bring you into judgment. So it shall be. There is still a season of time to repent. And, you know, I intend to take advantage of it. And I'll listen, folks. Sometimes this message is almost too hard to even take seriously. It's something that we've never even seen before. The judgment of God come upon a, this nation. You know, we read about it. We, we read about Sodom and Gomorrah. We read about what happened in Jerusalem in 70 A.D. You know, we know from the history books Roman soldiers were nailing the people to their dining room tables. They were nailing their hands and feet so they couldn't get away. And then they were cutting open their bellies because they had swallowed their precious stones and their, and their gold coins. So the Romans were gutting the people to take the gold out of their bellies and then leaving them nailed to their precious dining room table. This happened you know, to large numbers. Benjamin, it's interesting that when you read that verse um, uh, back in Ecclesiastes uh, 10 about breakfast, um, just recently, uh, Todd, who co-hosts here with me a lot of times, big weightlifter, and you're really into nutrition, um, showed me some studies have been done and um, about basically only eating for eight hours a day and fasting for uh, 16 hours out of the or you know yeah 16 hours out of the day and um so basically you eat from you know 12 o'clock at noon to eight and the health benefits when your body doesn't have to produce insulin and all these things and it just it's so amazing here i'm just reading in the scripture what we just recently started doing uh and i'm like well praise you know it's interesting how we find out what god knew a long time ago it just takes us a little longer it seems like to catch on to uh to his health plans instead of our own. Uh, Benjamin, you mentioned earlier uh, when I was talking to you, maybe taking a call, and I have a question or two. Would you be interested in that? Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, we'll take a call here in just a second, but I have a, a, a question, Benjamin, um, from one of the listeners that had came in to me um, via a message, and it was basically, uh, and I think you touched on it a minute ago, but maybe you could expand about it a little bit. They were saying, you know, are you, are you trying to imply, and this is from some other programs, that we should leave ahead of time, that we should leave now? Um, what's your word back to somebody asking that question, Benjamin? Well, it, you mean when you say leave, um, does that Should mean we leave the, leave the United the country. States or yes. the country? Mm -hmm. Well, from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 50, we know that after the fall of America and Babylon, the people will go weeping, because it's going to be a tough time, and they will ask the way to Zion. So the majority of the people will not leave until after the fall of the country. And there are very good reasons why that is the case, because leaving early is very challenging. There's a host of logistical challenges, which is why the majority of people have not and will not leave until after the collapse. Um, as to specific instructions, the Scripture says very clearly in Micah, Place no confidence in a guide, 
and trust not in a friend. So, you know, this is an hour where the Lord will lead each and every one of us. There is no one-size-fit-all. Um, you know, if you feel burdened to leave, then you should be praying and, you know, fasting and praying through that issue that God would open the door. And if you cannot leave because of God not opening the door, for whatever reason, you're going to be here for the duration of the collapse. Go read Jeremiah 50. I mean, just the very, I go there for just one sec. Um, the very first verses of Jeremiah 50, we're told, you know, out of the north will come the desolation, and none shall dwell therein, they shall remove, they shall depart, both man and beast. Everybody's leaving. Okay, this didn't happen in ancient Babylon. It fell to the Medes and Persians. There was a new king set up. Nobody left. Cities didn't burn like Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay? Jeremiah 50 is about a descendant empire. It's about the daughter of Babylon, which is the United States. And in those days and in that time, the children of Israel shall come, they and the children of Judah together, going and weeping, and they shall go and seek the Lord. Now, some people um, believe that they're not part of the commonwealth of Israel. You know, they think God has a whole separate thing and that these prophecies don't pertain to them. Well, then, fine. Then don't go with the children of Israel. You know, find your own way. Um, but those who are part of the commonwealth of Israel shall ask the way to Zion. And they shall say, come and let us join ourselves to the Lord in a perpetual covenant. So, you know, the people will return to the Lord. The, the level of repentance that will occur following the fall of the country is, is something that we, in, unless you've experienced it, you know, a lot of Christians are in a head knowledge state. And um, only the people that have really been broken can get to a place in prayer where they're literally crying out from the depth of their heart simply because their heart's been pierced. You know, if if our hearts have not been broken open, they've tended to harden over time, and, and it's very easy for us to then have an intellectual faith. And, you know, that's the reason for the purging and for the falling and for the for the fire, because God wants to get down to bottom line but um should people leave now if you've got the opportunity yeah this is not going to necessarily be a fun place to be much longer yeah, thank you but for if that you can't Benjamin. get out i wouldn't worry about it because the lord said i will protect that which is mine it doesn't matter where you are yeah. if god's protection is with you he's able to deliver you even in the den of the lions or in the fiery furnace well i right? know uh yeah, amen. For my wife and I, we, you know, we are, we're open. Unless, you know, if the Lord says to go, then, you know, we want to go. Um, my prayer is, Benjamin, is that God would give me the grace to hear go, and that my stubbornness uh, would ignore his calling. So, but as a family, um, we are open. Uh, Benjamin, I'm going to bring a caller on here. I think this, I know who this person is. Uh, I recognize the number. Um, area code 828, are you here with us? Yes, I sure am. Uh, Benjamin? Yes. Are you able to hear me? I hear you loud and clear. Okay, good, good. You know, I just wanted to share a thought with you that uh, I see daily. Um, I find that, you know, 
most of the time people, uh, speakers speak and preachers preach because they hope to uh, find a, will, a listening ear to, to uh, some uh, reason and so somebody can be encouraged to give more attention to the God and his word. But people pay so much attention to their peers, and, and I find that many, many people's peers shame them into, into turning back away from paying attention to what's coming on this, on, in this world. I mean, some, it's, so many people are just, you know, shamed by their friends to thinking how stupid you'd be, you know, just a fear monger, and it's, it's so rampant, it's, um, almost, it's almost like it's a major sin that your peers are committing when they try to shame you like this. I don't know. Your thoughts on it? Oh, yeah. I mean, the scripture is very clear that the children of the flesh will always persecute the sons of the Spirit, and you know, in the last days there would be mockers and scoffers. And At every point in history, before God brought judgment on either a foreign nation or upon Israel, which occurred many times, he always sent a warning. There was always a prophetic voice warning the people. You know, Noah warned for 120 years, but was primarily mocked, and, you know, the Lord sent, you know, his messengers again and again, but the people either mistreated, mocked, and or killed the messengers until there was no remedy, and this time is no different. Yeah, yes. for sure. You know, people don't like hearing that the party's over and that we're going to face judgment. And they don't like hearing that, you know, we need to repent. The church does not want right. to hear that it needs to repent. And the world doesn't want to know the party's over, but so it is. Amen. Thanks for that. Um, Benjamin, another question. Um, uh do you, you know, this is a something that you've touched on through the years over and over again, and that is on um, on prayer and fasting. And a lot of people, there is some confusion on how to fast. They don't understand. And I remember years ago, you you did a lot of research into fasting. You shared some things with me um, about you know ways to fast, not only just with water, but how to use vegetables and stuff, Benjamin. Th- Let's say there's a new believer tonight that's saying, you know, I'm hearing this because, Benjamin, I feel the first part of your program this tonight when you're, it was like God sent. And then I just watched him build throughout the whole program. And there's, Benjamin, that comes with conviction. And people are hearing, you know what, I want to fast and pray. How do you, how does someone start, Benjamin, that's never fasted in their entire life? And there's a lot more of those believers out there than I find all the time, sometimes I mention about prayer and fasting, and they're, well, they've never even fasted before. It's a new thing. Well, okay, um, how much time do I have to answer that question? Uh, you know, we've got 22 minutes left. Okay. Um, well, first of all, there are a number of ways that you can fast. And if you've never fasted, it is probably wise to to you know, spend some time studying uh, your options. But, and, well, for example, there's the Daniel fast mentioned in the book of Daniel in which, and, and this is in Daniel chapter 9, Daniel was unable to receive the answer to prayer 
because of a spiritual blockage that was occurring in the heavens. That's happening a lot today as well, where the war in the heavens over our heads is as fierce as it's ever been. And so one of the reasons for fasting is to open up the heavens that we could receive the direct instruction. And in Daniel chapter 9, we know that Daniel had to wait three weeks. Now, there was nothing in Daniel's life that was amiss. Daniel did not have hidden sin. He was literally being opposed by spiritual forces of the enemy, and his fasting and prayer was part of the solution, part of the victory that occurred in the spiritual world, through which he received the revelation of the 70 weeks at the end of Daniel 9. Now, the Daniel fast was basically, you can read it for yourself in Daniel chapter 9, he abstained from all pleasant food, cookies, cakes, chips, all the goodies. He abstained from all meat and animal products. He basically went on a vegetarian fast, eating nothing but nuts, fruits, and vegetables for three straight weeks. And, you know, it doesn't say so directly, but the concept of fasting would indicate he didn't overeat either. He ate just enough to keep his strength up. And so a Daniel fast could look like um, a healthy breakfast, say a banana and some frozen organic berries and maybe some uh, appropriate enzymes or you know some vitamin supplements, make a smoothie and a hot oatmeal with some fresh fruit on it. That could be breakfast and not, not maybe lunch would be cut up carrots or celery or edanami with cucumbers, um, you know, a little cold pack you take to work of some cut-up vegetables, and then dinner, baked potato, and a, and a full salad, and maybe a little bit of uh, fruit or, you know, a, a pear or uh, cut-up apples um, for the end of your meal in small portions. And do that vegetable fasting for three straight weeks. At first, you won't feel like you're fasting. You'll think, well, this is no big deal. Mm-hmm. Just wait about four days. Suddenly you'll realize, I really am fasting. But what is happening, the vegetarian, it's more almost like a vegan fast, if you will. It's beginning to detox you. See, some of the food, you guys, if you go and, and you look at your, the food that you bought um, that's sitting in your um, kitchen, if it's in a box or a package, and if it was processed by the major food companies, it probably contains a chemical composition that was actually designed to affect your mind. Outlandish, you think, right? Listen, the very first satanic attack against humanity began with food. Why don't you eat that apple? It's desirable to your eyes, right? I mean, the whole fall started with food, guys. Okay? So food is a big spiritual thing. The Bible talks about eating for strength versus eating for pleasure, and one is a blessing and the other is a curse. And so, you know, there's the Daniel fast. Um, another type of fast would be, as Frank, as you alluded to, maybe eating one meal a day, um, either just eating breakfast or um, having a very small little portion of maybe fruit or nuts or something light for breakfast and then a vegetarian light meal for, for, for dinner in the evening. Um, you can go on like that. Or another form of fasting is 
juice fasting, where you juice vegetables like carrot apple or an assorted green vegetable juice. And I would recommend you guys go to the Gerson.org. That's G-E-R-S-O-N.org. And Dr. Max Gerson has an amazing health therapy. There's an entire fasting protocol. It's actually a, a, a detox fast that it will is a remedy for a number of serious medical conditions. It does wonderful things for you. The Gerson fast is sort of a, a vegetable protocol. There's no animal products, but it's a series of recipes of things that essentially you can do for a Daniel fast. But the Gerson website also contains a detox uh, system using uh, organic coffee. And the detoxing uh, is very, very critical. If you go to the full-on fasting, which would be water fasting, um, you go to hardcore fasting. And for hardcore fasting, uh, I prefer uh, using distilled water and then cutting up beets, carrots, and celery, organic. Wash them, cut them into one-inch squares, fill a big you know, glass container full of the chopped-up veggie pieces, and then fill it with distilled water, throw in a couple mint leaves, put it in the refrigerator overnight, and all the electrolytes and all the minerals distill. They leach out into the distilled water. And what you've got in the morning is essentially a mineral water that will enable you to continue fasting without your blood chemistry crashing. It'll keep the electrolyte level positive, and you will feel great. Now, the one risk when you go to heavy, you know, hardcore, full-on water fasting, the one thing that can go wrong is a lot of us, because of the standard American diet, acronym SAD, or SAD, is a very sad mess for most people's health. And as a result, a lot of people are very toxic in the gut. And what that means is when you start fasting, if you haven't, properly cleansed and detoxified your colon with a ball tone or fiber pills and, and the, the coffee uh, break that is in the Gerson fast, which is essentially a coffee enema. All of this is designed to completely cleanse the colon because otherwise, if you haven't detoxified your colon, when you go to a full water fast, what happens is within days two or three, the poisons from your intestines begin to go backwards into your bloodstream. And that's, and your, your biochemistry uh, electrolyte levels start crashing. And that's why you get that feeling like, oh, I am dying here. That's a combination of electrolyte crashing of your blood chemistry and autotoxic shock syndrome that can occur because you didn't properly cleanse the colon. So if you want to do the hardcore fast, uh, you should definitely look at detoxing. Go to Gerson, G-E-R-S-O-N dot org. You can, there's a ton of research. It's a nonprofit. They have a whole health regimen, but it's a great fasting aid, okay? And then um, there's a lot of different information on the web, but you can do everything from fast for one meal a day. I call that baby fasting, but it's still good. You know, I was with a brother from um, Africa. His name was Keto Mouvouye. He was here in the United States for a number of years. We became good friends. He fasted one meal a day for over nine months, only eight in the evenings. 
And, of course, when you're doing that kind of fasting, you've got to be very careful with how much physical exertion you're doing. You know, the, the Daniel fast will enable you to keep working, keep exerting. You go to the full-blown water fasting, you can't be doing any kind of hard labor that tears down muscle structure. You know, for example, um, I was doing a long-term water fast, and I made a mistake and went out and played baseball. Well, you know, that doesn't work. You know, you can't be running around in the outfield catching fly balls when you don't have any protein in your system. You can't rebuild those muscles. And so you really have to be careful. Um, something to look into, but, uh, you know, any type of fasting is better than no fasting. Uh, another version that um, I was led into uh, back in 2014 is I fasted for two days just water, just the distilled water, with the cut-up vegetables. And then on the third day, one meal, very, very healthy meal. And then back to two days of fasting, and then on the third day, again, one meal. And I was intending a 40-day fast, and every three days, the Lord would say, you need to eat a meal. God told me it's the appointed time for you to eat, so I went and ate. This went on for two months, and so over the course of 60 days, I fasted for 40, and I ate a single meal for 20. And it kept my strength up so that I could continue to do my work. But believe you me, I was fasting every one of those 60 days. And mm. it was during that window of time, Frank, that all of the amazing revelation of matters of the heart, the prophetic message of Job, that mm. woman Jezebel, the return to Zion, all those amazing messages that are now... Uh, have been transcribed into the books, Search the Scriptures, Volumes 1 through 3. All of that content really came forth during that time of extended prayer and fasting. So you can do any form that you choose, um, but I think it's very clear that we, were, we are admonished by the Word of God in the book of Joel to the generation of people that see these things coming upon them to proclaim a solemn assembly, to gather together in prayer and fasting. And a solemn assembly really only works in a small group setting. And it's a, a, a group of people, like-minded, who have agreed to enter a time of fasting and prayer and to gather together to seek the Lord and to repent. To repent corporately and to repent personally. And You know, we were told to confess our sins one to another. And those of us who've been Christians for very long also have experienced that kind of betrayal that can occur at church. And, you know, it didn't take me very long, and I'm sure it didn't take you very long to figure out that church is not really a safe place to reveal yourself. Because a lot of people in church are walking in pretense. Everybody's fine. Everybody's about to get raptured. And the truth is, they're all going to get captured. But nobody is willing to be honest at church about deeply personal things for a very good reason. What you say can and will be used against you at some point. So we all learned to, you know, the most intimate things, the deepest personal struggles, people don't share. They don't confess those things one to another. The purpose of a solemn assembly is to gather together with, with one or more believers that you trust, 
that you know love you and that love the Lord, where you can confess your sins one to another. And, you know, that doesn't mean confess your sin one to the ladies' prayer group or one to the Wednesday Bible study or one to the entire church. You know, nowhere in the Word of God are we told to confess our sins to the entire community. You know, that whole protocol, I don't know if you guys' churches have ever done this, but I, I attended churches in the past where, for whatever reason, you know, brother and, and uh, sister, you know, they fell and she got pregnant and they made the brother stand up in front of the whole church. And, of course, you know, what happened to him, right? And how long do you think he stayed at that church? And You know, we need a place that is safe. We need to learn yeah. to confess our sins. You know, we need to take the risk of being deeply, brutally honest. And we desperately need the prayer and fasting in whatever form um, you guys can, you know, commit to do, whether it's a meal a day, whether it's a, a day of fasting, one day a week of fasting, much of the remnant is fasting on Thursdays. And, and when I say a day, I mean from sundown to sundown. That's the day in Scripture. The evening and the morning were the first day. Erev and Bokeh, evening and morning. So we start our fast. You know, you have a light you know, vegetarian meal. If you were going to begin fasting tomorrow, as the sun is going down out here on the West Coast, you might have a, a very fiber-filled vegetable dinner, not too large, and then when the sun goes down, that's it. Now you're fasting. Whether you're going to have juice the next day or just do the distilled water or, you know, whatever your protocol is for the days that you're fasting, your fast has begun at sundown, you break your fast at sundown. and um, Frank, there's a, a book written by a Christian doctor uh, from Costa Rica. The book is online. The, this doctor went to be with the Lord in the 1950s. This research was done in the 30s and 40s. He spent over 20 years researching fasting, and, and he was the one who pioneered the use of distilled water with the vegetables as a way to uh, optimize the spiritual and medical benefits of fasting. And, and fasting is wonderful for restoring your health. I mean, it is a, um, it's a necessary part of life. You know, there's a season and an appointed time for eating. There's also an appointed time for fasting. And, you know, the church in America uh, forgot that fact, and that's why so many are sick and dying among us, uh, because we don't know our appointed times. I hope that answers the question. No, it does. And and I we're getting down close, but I just want to mention one thing. Benjamin, you know, nineteen ninety nine, of course when I read your book and God used it to save my life, you know, from every foul thing a person could ever be involved in. I remember reading in there, you know, and and I even, you know, met you early on into my um not long after I had gotten saved. And I just remember your emphasis on fasting. And so you know I was course on fire like what okay i'll do it whatever you know and i remember the first time benjamin i went on a, a, a week-long fast you know and um i remember the tremendous feeling that came over me and i it's hard to explain sometimes but i, I tell people it it's almost like i just felt less sinful i don't know how to even explain it but there's this humbling that comes over you and you just all that garbage of the world seems to depart. And after about the fourth day, the hunger begins to leave, and you begin to experience something new with God. And But I 
remember that I was always doing seven-day fast until you explained to me about never breaking uh, fast on the seventh day and actually going through to the eighth day because your body is purging itself every seven days. And we know that science backs all that and everything. But, um, Benjamin, you know firsthand, you, uh, there's so many stories I remember through the years you've shared uh, about being in that feeling like you're in the most holy place on these fasts. And, and, and I, we only got five minutes left, but, Benjamin, I, I can't explain it to the listeners enough to how much that fasting is a part of the believer's life and what happens to you when you get into a real fast in your walk with God. Could you just close us out on this and maybe just bring this to an end? Well, praise God. You know, we, we can certainly do another uh, program um, if we need to on this whole, you know, concept of fasting. And, you know, I'm just looking, you know, Jesus said, the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from the people of God, and then they shall fast in those days. Okay, So, you know, the, the Pharisees were challenging the Lord because the disciples of John the Baptist fasted, but the Lord and his disciples didn't fast. And, you know, the Lord's response was, you know, as long as I'm in the earth, my disciples won't fast. But when I'm taken away, my true disciples will all fast and pray. So, you know, fasting in prayer is a, you know, the, it's the, you know, it's putting skin in the game. It's putting the flesh to the cross. You want to talk about denying the flesh? Tell your flesh to shut up and get back in the ground. You died in Jesus you know, sometimes when you're fasting, your flesh will scream at you. I mean, mine screams at me. You know, it starts screaming about peanut butter and crackers, or it screams about whatever. Mm-hmm. And what I've literally learned to do, Frank, during times of fasting and prayer, is I speak to my flesh, and I say, Flesh, the Scripture says that you died in Christ. When Jesus was crucified, you were crucified. You are therefore a dead man legally. And according to the authority that I have in Jesus, I command you to shut up and get back in the ground. And I don't want to hear any more of your whining about peanut butter and crackers anymore. And (laughs) it's kind of a funny thing, but your flesh will listen. And it will shut up. And you're absolutely right, Frank. After day three, the hunger, the physical hunger is over. So if you're on day four and you're doing the water, you know, the distilled water fast, and you've decided to get to day four, if you're still feeling the urge to eat, that is a spirit of gluttony. You know, and if it's powerful, then, you know, repent of gluttony and command that spirit to get out of your life. Now, if you're doing the, you know, one meal a day, or you're doing the juice fast, or you're doing the Daniel fast, you're never going to get to that place. Because those are all partial fasts that are still very effective spiritually. They make a difference. But, you know, it's kind of like, if I were to use an analogy, um, you know, if we continue to eat, if we continue to walk in the flesh, then, you know, think of yourself as having to walk where you're going. And, oh, by the way, we're all going back to Zion, which is Jerusalem. So think about attempting, you and your family, 
setting out to find the way back to Zion, only if you're going to eat every day, you're going to have to walk all the way to Jerusalem. Well, that's like mm. eight to 10,000 miles from here. Okay, if you want to do the, the Daniel fasting or the you know, one meal a day fasting, you know, now you get to maybe ride a horse or drive a car. You want to do the water fast? You want to do the distilled fast? The multi-day distilled You want to go past day seven? Day four, your vision goes high definition. Day seven, the anointing comes. You want to hear the Lord? Loud and clear. Get out to day ten. Mm. And you'll feel like you're on a supersonic jet. Amen. You, you will be amazed at what happens to you. And you know what? Your body will be healing. And you'll actually be restoring your temple. Your, this is a healing process, not just spiritually, not just mentally, but physically. There are tremendous health benefits to periodic fasting. Amen. I mean, God knows what he's doing in telling us to fast and pray. It's a vital part of the life of every believer. And as Jesus said, you know, after I am taken away, in those days, my disciples will fast. Okay, well, where do you fall in that category? Are you on the Amen. list of his disciples? Amen. He fasted for 40 days. He calls his disciples to fast. Are you on the list of disciples mm. or not? Amen. Well, Benjamin, we are at the end of, t end of this, uh, not the end of time. We are at the, actually the end of time and the end of this program. Uh, folks, you've been challenged tonight. Uh, you've heard the word uh, Benjamin brought forth in the beginning about the enemy coming against you, but you've also heard the word about fasting and praying and getting alone, setting yourself apart, because this is the hour to do it. Stop waiting till tomorrow. Tomorrow will never come. Start now. Start seeking God's face. It, Benjamin, thank you for sharing this with us. Uh, I hope people take this to heart and get out there and fast and pray and just watch what God has to do in their lives. And so with all that, this is Brother Fink and Brother Benjamin from the Remnant Call saying good night and shalom. Amen.